Six feet under, I could have been lost forever. Yeah, I should be in that fire, but now there's fire inside of me. Yeah, I'm a dead man.
Good evening. Good evening. Praise the Lord. We're, we're glad you're here. Few and far between, but that's all right. There's more coming in the back door right now. So uh, thanks for coming back tonight. We're glad to see you. Praise the Lord. We're going to worship the Lord together. We're going to, uh, how many of you had a good time this morning? I think it's okay to have a good time in church. We should have a good time in church. Amen. Amen. Well, we're glad you're back tonight. A uh, couple of announcements. I have one, one major announcement that I need to make sure it gets out. Um, we have, uh, with, with everything going on in the church and everything, it's, it's kind of an off time right now. And so we have decided to cancel the Valentine's Banquet. Um, we do that as a fundraiser for our youth camp, and we've just not really had the ticket sales this year. It costs quite a bit of money to buy all the food and do everything, and so, uh, and, and we're not upset about it. Uh, we're a little disappointed that we didn't get to act goofy, but we can do that anyway, man. But, uh, but we just, in order to cover the cost and to make money for camp, it, it, we, we need a lot more than what we've had. And so uh, there's other fundraisers that we're, we have planned that we will do. Um, and, and, and we just understand our church right now is in a time that's not, not normal. And so uh, we're going to, so make sure, I'll, I'll make sure everybody knows those that have already bought tickets, um, we'll refund their money uh, back to them so that uh, they don't feel like we're taking advantage of them. And so, but, but just if, if you know somebody that, that said, uh, if you hear somebody say, oh, I need to go, but sure, well, we, we've, we've moved that. And uh, there'll be other fundraisers come up that our youth will be working on. So, but just to let you know, and uh, again, we, we completely understand this is a, a time of, our church is in a time of transition. And it's always different during that time. And so um, we'll be able to move on down the road at some point and be able to get back to our, some of our normal stuff. But just for now, uh, we've decided to cancel it, and uh, uh, somebody said, well, we just like going and having a good time. I said, well, come to church. We can have a good time at church, amen. If you want something to laugh at, just look at me. But anyway, but I appreciate you guys that bought tickets and, and those that were supporting it. So um, we do, we still are taking, we've got quite a few youth going to camp, so uh, we're still working on, we've sold quite a few calendars, and, and like I said, we'll have other fundraisers. So uh, let's stand this evening. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. As we begin our service tonight, Father, we love you. Lord, we just thank you once again to come into your house, Lord, to be able to come and assemble together without threat of arrest or, or imprisonment or, 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 or anything worse than that. Lord, we thank you for the, the ability to come and, and meet freely. Lord, we thank you for this beautiful building that we have that's heated, Lord, that's covered. Lord, we don't have to stand out in the rain, but Lord, we just come to praise you. And, Lord, we thank you for all these things, but, Lord, we'd, I believe we'd probably go anywhere if we could just to praise you, Lord. But I thank you for the opportunity to come. And I know that tonight you've got a blessing. You've got a great thing in store for us. And, God, I pray that you would just move in a mighty way. God, touch lives tonight. Lord, we thank you for what you did this morning, and we expect more tonight, God, because you've never let us down. You've never failed us, God. You've always promised us more, more, more if we'll come for it, Lord. And we ask for it tonight, Lord. We thank you, we love you, and we praise you tonight in the name of Jesus.
that tonight holy 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 is the lord god almighty can you just tell him in your own words lord you're holy lord you're so holy lord as the word the bible says we'll proclaim holy 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 is the lord god almighty lord we proclaim it tonight lord lord we just proclaim that you are holy god and we love you we glorify you we exalt you tonight because you're holy God, nothing corrupts you. You're uncorruptible. God, nothing can tarnish you. Nothing can take away from your holiness because it's who you are. You are holy, God. We love you tonight. We praise you. Hallelujah, God. We exalt you tonight, Lord, because you're holy, God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Let's give the Lord a hand clap. Amen. Amen. Maybe seated tonight. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's let's remember um, Donna Phelps, and uh, I never did get word on uh, um, Kara Dickinson's sister, uh, but I'll I'll try to get a hold of her and find out a little bit more about what can what what how, how she's doing. Um, does anybody else have a need? There's not that many. Not I believe we can take a moment and just yes, sir. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's remember. What's his last name? Oh, okay. Your brother. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's remember him. Lori Franks. Okay. Okay. All right. Anybody? Yes. Okay. All right. Let's remember. Let's remember the whole family. Anybody else? 
Let's remember our church, our search for pastor. And, you know, we, we pray for our search. We pray for a pastor search, but let's pray for our church. And, uh, you know, this is, this is, it's taxing on a church to go through this. And so let's just pray for each other as well, that we just continue to stand in unity and, and stand together as we go through this. But let's, let's pray, Lord, send a pastor. All right, anybody else have a need? Let's just go to the Lord tonight, right there where you are. Father, Lord, we come before you tonight. Lord, we're humbled to come into your presence, God, because of your greatness. God, because of your faithfulness. God, because of your, your gentleness with us, Lord, when we come. But, Lord, your word says if any two or more come and ask anything in the name of Jesus, that you'll be there, you'll meet our needs, God, that you'll supply our needs, and, God, you'll come and move. And, Lord, we ask you tonight, Lord, each of these needs that was mentioned, that you would just, God, begin right now to send healing, Lord, send comfort, Lord, strength, send strength, Lord. God, all the needs that were mentioned tonight, Lord, we pray that you would just touch right now in the name of Jesus. God, you know the needs greater than I do, Lord. God, just, we, we pray for healing to those that are sick. Lord, we pray for, God, deliverance. God, and, and, and Lord, we pray for our church. Lord, we lift up uh, Long Grove Assembly of God. Lord, we lift up our community. Lord, as we're, as we're going through this, Lord, I pray for each person that's a, a member of this body, Lord, that attends this church, that you would just, God, strengthen us, Lord. Help us to grow in unity through this, Lord, to continue to, to seek you in all that we do, Father. And I pray that, Lord, you would send that pastor, send that one to us, Lord, that can come and lead us, Father to lead us forward, lead us into your way, Lord. And we love you tonight. We thank you, God, for answering prayers. Even though I know right now the answers are going out, even as we ask, Lord, you begin to send the answer. And we thank you right now, God. And we, we look forward to the, the praise reports of your goodness and your mercy and what you do for us, Lord. We love you. We thank you and we praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. For ushers to come, we'll take up our tithes and offering this evening. We appreciate your giving. I know Sunday night our crowd's down a little bit, and you may think, well, there's not a lot here to give, but we want to make give an opportunity for you to be able to bless by the Lord. So, hey, yeah, you can fill that sucker full. <laughs> Randy, would you pray over offering tonight? that music will keep you awake. <laughs> if you never getting sleepy, you won't, you won't stay asleep with the dog. That, I like that, don't you? 
You know, uh, Chase mentioned something a while ago, and I want to bring, emphasize that. You know, you, you need a pastor. We've been praying about that. But also the church, and I appreciate what he said about that. And there is a responsibility of the church that you might be praying for one another. That's what you need to do. You need to, need to call somebody up and say, I'm thinking about you. I'm praying for you. I want you to feel encouraged. Not discouraged, but encouraged. And I think sometimes the responsibility of that is very important to feel the unity of the church. Don't you? Amen. Yes. Uh, okay. They're having trouble with that. Okay. I may have to sing myself. I don't think so. <laughs> well, listen, I appreciate seeing everyone tonight. And again, we appreciate uh, Steve and Terry French coming and being with us. And I, I'm going to introduce him and, and then I'll get out of the way, let my daughter sing. And then he'll come right on in and sing. But I, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. Come on, Steve, be up here and get up here and, and, and get your running shoes on or whatever. <laughs> okay. Um, I'll say this, uh, and I think uh, Steve will agree to it. He's had 30 years of training for the government to spot wrongdoers. And I asked him when we went home, I said, did you see any there this morning? <laughs> he said, I saw some suspicious, some suspicious ones, but I'm not for sure. <laughs> so everybody better be smiling tonight. <laughs> <laughs> okay, she's going to sing, then Steve, it's yours. I love the Lord, and uh, is that on? Where, wherever I've been, I've, I've tried to be a light for Jesus, and wherever I've worked, I was a teacher. I worked at that 800 Flowers for four years, and I used to just go around. Every day people, anybody got sick or this or that, they say, holler at Sabrina, and I, I've never gotten trouble anywhere I've ever worked. And then I was a nurse, uh, LPN the last 11 years, and I just retired this summer and to be with Mother and uh but uh, and I've prayed with people, been there with countless people in their last days and hours of life, and uh, you know, and I've seen uh, the presence of the Lord, and I, and I've never got, I've never, no one ever, no supervisor ever said, Sabrina, quit, quit praying for people, or quit talking about God or whatever. And especially this little nursing home was the last place I worked up there in Davis. Uh, for the last year and a half I had worked up there or almost two years anyway and they they were very big on being G about Jesus and Christianity and and uh, everything and so I really enjoyed that last uh, bit that I did there but I love the Lord and I don't I want to always be wherever I am I want to be that light for Jesus don't you amen It's my desire to live for Jesus. It's my desire to live for Him, though often I failed and brought him much shame. It's my dear. 
see where Jesus brought me from. How about you? And where we are today. Then you would know all the reasons why I love him so. Oh, you can take this old world, its wealth, its riches. I don't need earth's fame. It's my desire to live for him. Look back, if you could see where Jesus brought us from. What all? Has he been with you? And where we are today. Then you would know all the reasons why I love him so. Oh, you can take this a world, its wealth, its riches. I don't need earth's fame. It's my desire. It's my desire. It's my desire to be like He. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks, Sabrina. <clears throat> okay. Well, we have really enjoyed being with the Ducks this week. They are friends from a long time ago. Well, probably not that long ago for some of us, right? <laughs> it seems like the older you get, the shorter the time is. So, so, not, so friends from not that long ago, but for a long time we've known them and appreciated their testimony and they've always been good friends to us. Um, through the years in different places, different parts of the world, and different parts of the country. So uh, I appreciate them. I appreciate Sabrina and Naomi singing tonight. And, uh, you know, and I also appreciate that last song y'all did a lot because that Revelation song is one of my favorite songs. Uh, and it's, it's my wife's favorite song. I think it's her very favorite song. We love that song, you know, and I love it night to uh, in the evenings, you know, I'll just take my guitar and I'll often just play that song and sing it just myself, you know, just worshiping myself. Uh, so, you know, but, you know, it's, I said it's my wife's favorite song, but it's probably not her favorite song when I sing the song. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think she gets tired of me singing that because I sing it just about every night, you know, it's kind of part of my own worship, you know, I'll just sit there and just play my guitar, you know, and I'll sing that song, and she never comes out of the bedroom. 
So I'm pretty sure that my voice isn't as good as y'all's. So anyway, uh, Dwayne asked me to share something about what I did uh, in, in my past life, you know, with the government and everything. And, uh, and so I don't usually talk very much about it. I don't say too much about it because there's not a lot that I can say. And so <clears throat> anyway, I would just say this. Uh, <clears throat> for the, I was a counter espionage officer. That's what I did for my whole career. And for the, about the first half of my career, I worked uh, in Europe, uh, across, you know, across what we used to call the Iron Curtain, you know, into, you know, into Eastern Europe, working against the KGB. That was my, that was my target, the first half of my career. Second half of my career, I worked against Communist China, uh, doing the same kinds of, the same kinds of things, a little bit different, but the same, similar types of things, and so that took us a lot of different places. It, um, and at one time, uh, later in my career, I had, um, I had an organization that had offices uh, in many different places in the world that we worked. You know, I often went to Rome and to London, you know, on business in Munich and Thailand, you know, Bangkok and uh, uh, even Beijing and, um, you know, Hong Kong. Uh, Canberra and Australia, you know, different places around the world that I worked, you know, Vienna, Austria, which was a spy hotbed at one time, you know, uh, during the Cold War and that kind of thing. So uh, I had opportunities to see and do a lot of things that many people don't have a chance to see and do. And, you know, I'm thankful to God for that, you know. I, I can't believe that he would open that opportunity to me. I told you that I dropped out of high school when I was 17 years old and it was after the Lord saved me that and turned me around, turned my life around that I was given all of these opportunities, you know, all of these opportunities. In fact, when I was enlisted in the army, they, they didn't want me back. When they didn't want me back. They said, we're going to put a bar on you to re-enlistment. We don't want you back. But you know what? The Lord didn't want that. He opened the door and he made that possible for me to go to go many places. In fact, when I received my commission, I was going to the University of Colorado. Dwayne mentioned I went to a Pentecostal Bible college. I did a three-year Bible college. And I graduated from that and I went back. I said, you know, I'm going to go to CU. And so I was, uh, I, I had gotten out of the army and I was going to school on the GI Bill and I was in the National Guard uh, in Colorado. And, uh, and three of us, I was in an aviation unit and we flew in a helicopter up to Cheyenne, uh, Wyoming and uh, stopped at the lunch counter. And there were two fellows with me, two uh, warrant officers, if you know what warrant officers are. And the warrant officers uh, were talking and one of them said to the other one, I'm gonna apply and be a lieutenant. And out of the blue, just without even thinking about it, it just came out of my mouth. You ever have stuff come out of your mouth that comes true later? You ever have that happen where you prophesy about yourself? I, just out of my mouth, it came out of my mouth. I'm gonna go get a commission, I'm going to be an intelligence officer, and I'm going right back where I was stationed when I was enlisted, where I got saved in Germany. Came right out of my mouth, you know? I went up the next week to ROTC and I said, hey, I wanna be, uh, I wanna be an intelligence officer, I want a regular army commission, I wanna be you know, branched in, in counterintelligence, I wanna go, I wanna be reassigned to Stuttgart, you know? And if you won't do that, I'm not gonna sign the contract. So 
So they, they sent away to Fort Lewis, that's where the headquarters was, for that ROTC region, and they sent an electrical message and said, well, can we guarantee this, this guy these things, you know? And I was already in a master's program at the University of Colorado at that time, you know, I just started it. And so they said, um, they said, well, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll guarantee that, you know? And so Terry and I were laying, laying in bed one night and we were in student housing in Boulder, Colorado, student housing. Anybody ever been to Boulder, Colorado? That is a crazy town. You've probably heard of it. It's a crazy place, you know, these days. And so we were laying in bed there in student housing and, and I looked over and I said, you know, I'm not sure that we ought to do this. I'm not sure that this is really what God wants, you know. I don't know that the Lord's really in this. I mean, I had planned to be a chaplain. That was what my plans were, you know. And I said, I'm not really sure this is what God wants us to do. And so I said, listen, I'm going to go back in tomorrow and I'm going to ask him to change something. <laughs> and so I said, I'm going to go apply to be a transportation officer. <laughs> and so I went back in and I said to, I was said to him, Merit RTC, I would, I would like, I've changed my mind. I would like to become a transportation officer instead of an intelligence officer. And they said, what? <laughs> Nobody wants to do that. And I said, I, I, that's what I've decided. I was, I was a truck driver when I was enlisted. I want to be a transportation officer. And they said, okay, well, we'll send it in and ask. So they sent in. It came back disapproved. They said, no, I'm sorry. He is not qualified for that job, you know. And so then I said, you know what? I think, I think instead of that, I think I want to be... I just kept going over with a couple of days, you know. I said, I think that I want to be uh, an in, a combat engineer. And so, so they sent that in. They said, no, I'm sorry, you are not qualified to be a combat engineer. So it came back in the electrical message. So then I said, you know what? I think I want to be a, a, an artillery officer. So they sent that in, came back disapproved. I asked for armor, it came back disapproved. I asked for infantry and even infantry came back disapproved. They said, no, I'm sorry, the only thing that you're qualified for in the army is to be a counterintelligence officer. That's the only thing that you're, you're, that you're allowed to be. And so then, in addition, they also asked that I didn't have to do the whole ROTC program. I only had to do three semesters instead of four semesters, you know. And so they commissioned me with three semesters, and then they put out a new regulation that they could never ask for any of those things for an officer that they were commissioning again. So that came from, I guess, the Department of the Army put that out, you know, that this was this had been such a mistake on their part to give me all of these things that they changed the reg they actually changed the regulation to keep that from happening again what had happened with me so anyway that's a little bit about my background and that was a little long for an introduction I told Dwayne I, I was talking to him this afternoon and I told Dwayne I said you know Dwayne uh, I, I only lack two pages of getting through my introduction this morning so, so, that's right, I only like two pages of getting through my introduction. I got about 30 more if you all can sit through it. I made it through six. If you can sit through another 30, we're okay. All right. No, I'm not going to do that to you. I'm not going to torture I won't torture you like that. So this is a subject that I was talking about this morning that I've been thinking a lot about uh, recently. I've been 
Uh, I've been writing some about it and thinking on it, you know. Uh, and it, it really, uh, you know, I was talking about truth, you know, truth in the Word of God and what truth really is. This is something that I've been thinking a lot about because, you know, in our world we're turned upside down. I mean, we're just turned upside down. Everything, everything's backwards. You know, men call good evil and they call evil good, you know, and people promote evil. You know, it's like, let's, let's let offenders, out, let's let violent offenders out of jail in two weeks instead of in 30 years. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's like we're just filling the earth with violence. It says in the days of Noah, you know, that as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man, you know, and it talks about that in Genesis that the earth was full, filled with violence, you know. Uh, you know, and, and it's just like, it just seems like that there's a, how should I even put it? It seems like there's just this concerted, just planned, almost thoroughgoing effort on at least you know, and that's the that's one of the problems we got is, is it, it's like 50 percent of the country that's got this, you know, kind of thoroughgoing effort to introduce evil into every sphere of our lives. Y'all seen that? Have you noticed something like that where it's just this concerted effort to introduce evil into the world? And I think to myself, why, how can this even be, you know? I mean, it was not that long ago that it was a good thing to be uh, to be Christ-like, you know, uh, uh, Sabrina was talking about that, you know, in her work, you know, it was a good thing. I mean, it used to be in the army, if you said you were a Christian, you know, they would, you know, you were favored, you were in favor in the army for being a Christian, you were in favor in the army because they knew that you were going to be honest. They knew, you know, those were the qualities that you were going to, you know, you were going to try to be honest, you were going to try to be moral, and you were going to try to do the right thing, you were going to try to work hard, you know, to glorify and honor honor God. But now these days it's like it's turned on its head and they want people who aren't honest and who aren't going to glorify God through their lives, through hard work, you know, and through doing right and through the, you know, through righteousness and godliness, right? Anybody, can anybody relate to that? Anybody see that? Right? So what I'd like to do tonight, now I've got all kinds of things here that I could talk about. I, uh, you know, I got, oh boy, I got way too much stuff, so I'm not going to go through it. Uh, we're, we're not going to go to everything, but we are going to go back to Genesis once again in the Bible. Uh, and, and we're going to go uh, look first just very quickly at the second chapter of Genesis. And let's pray about God's Word that it'll touch us tonight. Lord in heaven, we thank you, O God, for your Word. We thank you, Lord, that we know that your Word is truth. And we thank you, Lord, that your Word overcomes the enemy, Lord. Uh, when we use it, Lord, as the, you know, as the sword of the Word, we know, Lord God, that your Word is what gives us faith, that we can quench the fiery darts of the enemy. Lord, your Word is what sanctifies us, Lord, because your Word is truth. It gives us the breastplate of righteousness, Lord. All of the armor of the Spirit, Lord, is dependent upon our absorption of your word, upon our believing you, Lord, that your word can change our lives and paying attention to each of the things that it tells us to do that are displeasing to you and the things that are pleasing to you, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name tonight, move us with it and use it for our, uh, for our change, Lord, and for our, so that we might, Lord, be able to glorify you better, Lord, in Jesus' name. Okay, so looking at the second 
uh, chapter of Genesis. In verse 7 it says, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Alright, so I mentioned this morning, you know, evolution can't be right because the Lord God, He created man directly. I mean, when man was, you know, when man came out, it wasn't a matter of the chicken or the egg. When man came, it was man. You know, there wasn't half man, there wasn't, you know, there wasn't, uh, there wasn't primitive man, you know, or whatever. It was man, you know. Adam was created Adam, and that's just the way it was. And it says that the Lord God, in verse 8, planted a garden uh, eastward in Eden, and that He put the man, and there He put the man who He had formed. And so it says down in verse 15, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may eat freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day you eat of it you shall surely die. Now, the Lord God, when He made man, He put him in the Garden of Eden. And what did he, he told him to tend it and keep it, right? So man, from the first day that he was created, one of the principles that God set in motion on earth was that man was supposed to work. He set that in motion. Man is supposed to work. Man's not supposed to be on welfare, you know? Not supposed to lay up in, lay up in the crib and collect welfare all, all the time, right? Isn't that right? God said, you got to work. Even before, you know, when man was in paradise and all the fruit was on all the trees, you know, and God did it all for man. He said, you still got to work. I made you to work. It's unhealthy what we got going on in our society today. All of the, all of the um, failure to work. I should, you know, it's, you, you've heard about this stuff. You've seen it. You know, they talk about how many people are dropping out of the workplace. That's unhealthy. You know, man is meant to work. Right? Man is, was, was created to work. God made him and said, you got, you got to work, you know. It's not that I'm being mean to you. You just got to work. It's how I made you. I worked, I worked six days making the heavens and the earth. You got to work, right? That's number one. You know, that's the first point. The second point is, you know, when God made man, he made man male and female. God has a distinct, a, you know, a distinct idea about how He wants the human race to be, you know. He made us how He wants us to be. He did not make, uh, He didn't make an error. He was, not in, he was not mistaken when He made the human race. He made us male and He made us female, you know, and, and you know what? It's not just us that He made that way. He made the animals male and He made the animals female. And He made, you know, and not only did He make the animals male and female, He made the birds male and female, and He made the, the fish male and female, you know. And not only did He do that, but you know what else? He ordered the heavens. You know, when he made the stars, when he made the moon, when he made the sun, you know, and when he set the waters where they're supposed to be, he ordered everything that he made. And he said, this is how I want it to run. He made the natural laws, you know. I mean, that's why there's gravity, you know, that's why there's uh, relativity. That's why all those theories work and why they can, you know, why we can do calculations, you know, the laws of mathematics and the laws of physics, you know, the laws of biology, all 
all those things. God set that stuff up because he wanted it to stay that way. He didn't want us to, he did not want us to interfere with what he had done, change or try to change what he had done. But you know what he wanted us to do? It says on in verse 20 that Adam gave names to all the animals. Now there's a few of you that might be almost as old as I am, I'm not sure, but close anyway. Uh, so I know that some of you remember back during the Jesus days, I talked a little bit about those Jesus days, you know, today. Some of you remember the Jesus movement, right? Some of you are around for that. But you remember back during the Jesus day, for a short time, Bob Dylan became a Christian. Do you remember that? Does anybody remember that happening? And he had a song that, you remember that? Yeah, and he had a song that he sang, Man Gave Names to All the Animals in the Beginning. You remember that song? Anybody remember that besides me? That's, he had a Bob Dylan song, Man Gave Names to All the Animals. Anybody remember that? Yeah, so anyway, I remember that song, you know. Well, man did give names to all the animals, and you know what God did by making man give the names to the animals, is God gave man dominion over the earth and dominion over the creatures on the earth. You know what, when you have children, you give the children their name, because that's a symbol of your dominion over the children. That's not mean, that doesn't mean you be cruel to them, that doesn't mean you're a taskmaster or a slave driver or anything else. It means that you've been given the, the you've been given the oversight of those children to raise them in a godly manner, to bring them up in the fear of the Lord. And as the man of the house, you've been given the obligation to provide for those children. That's right. That's what God did. He gave us that responsibility, didn't he? That's what he did. We have dominion over the earth. Now, the world, if you think about it, I said that there's this pervasive evil, I don't understand, but I see it. There's this pervasive evil that's coming against everything that God established in the natural order. Everything that God established. They're coming against the idea that there's only a male and a female that God created and that's the way that he wanted it. They're coming against the idea that a man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, you know, and become one flesh. They're coming against that idea. They're coming against the idea that man has dominion over creation and over the creatures on the earth. What do we do is having dominion over creation and over the creatures on the earth? Does that mean we're supposed to destroy it? No. We shepherd it and we, and we use it for God's glory, right? We take care of it. We preserve it. You know, we can, you know, Christians preserve the earth better than the world ever dreamed of preserving the earth. You know, they fly off to climate change summits in private airplanes, you know. We, you know, Christians would fly commercial basically, you know what I'm saying? You follow me? Right? So, in other words, God gave us dominion, you know, God gave us dominion over the earth. This is something that's precious that we're supposed to that we're supposed to care for. Did you know it says in the book of Revelation that God will destroy those who destroyed the earth? That's a scripture in Revelation that I've always had a little bit of wondering about, you know? Uh, so anyway, uh, my whole point is that it seems like those who are promoting this evil, uh, the evil is so thoroughgoing that anything that God has established, if God said, I created the heavens and the earth, you know, it says in, in the Bible that, you know, we know him by the creation, that he's known in his creation. You know, that we can see him in the creation. That's what Paul said. And, you know, you think about that and you think, uh, you think, 
the, you know, the people that are trying to destroy, trying to turn people away from faith in the Word of God, those people are, are, really, uh, are really, you know, just, they're just bent on, on trying to discredit everything that God said in the Word of God. They're, they're just completely given to trying to stand against and rebel against. I guess that's the best word, rebellion. They rebel against everything that God established. They rebel against the fact that man's supposed to have dominion over the creature and over the creation. And they say, oh, no, we've got to have, we, they, you know, they're our brothers or whatever, you know, trees are people too or whatever. You know the whole thing. You know, it's like anything that it was that God established, they're trying to come against, trying to, trying to turn against, you know, trying to come against the kingdom of God. You know, the kingdom that God has established on earth. And I'm not a kingdom now person. Don't, don't, get, don't, don't put that one on me. I'm not, a, I'm not a kingdom now person. I don't believe that we're going to be established in a kingdom on the earth until Jesus comes back and we, you know, and we begin his millennial reign, you know, his reign of a thousand years. So just let's set that straight that I'm not, I'm not a kingdom now person. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not a social gospel person. I'm not a kingdom now person, all right? You know, just, uh, just don't, don't let that trouble you anymore. So anyway, but you know, God, is, God has established certain things. And one of the things that he established in the Garden of Eden, and I believe it just the way it says it. I believe that it happened just the way it says it. And the reason I believe it happened just the way it says it is because that's, it says what was going to happen in my life. I was a sinner. I was a terrible, wicked person. And God saved me by his grace. Just like it says it was going to happen in the Word of God. God filled me with the Holy Ghost. And when I was filled with the Holy Ghost, I didn't really believe in the Holy Ghost, you know. I thought, oh, this can't really be the case. But, you know, I was in a retreat up in the Taunus Mountains in Germany, and I was sitting there, and we had a, a black evangelist, and he was preaching about John 15, you know, or, or John, uh, John, no, John 3.16, John 3.16, you must be born again. He kept saying it over and over again. And after the service, everybody went down to the altar. I mean, it was full, you know. Altar was full. Everybody's praying. I sat in a chair, you know, and I just raised my hands and I began to worship God. And you know what? When I opened, and I heard people talking around me. I heard people say, oh, he's talking clear, isn't he? You know, saying stuff like that. And I was, I had my hands raised. And when I opened my eyes and looked around, I thought it'd just been a couple of minutes. Everybody was gone. I was the only person left in the retreat center. Everybody left. I had been speaking in tongues the whole time. I didn't know it. I'd been hearing myself speak in English. I thought I was just worshiping God, you know, just praising God in English. I'd been speaking in tongues, you know, the entire time. I didn't know it. I didn't, I didn't know until the next day. I didn't know what happened. I thought I was worshiping God in English. Anybody believe in talking in tongues? Anybody believe that that's when you get the Holy Ghost? Yes, yeah, that's when, you, that's, that's it. That's when you get the Holy Spirit, you know? Okay, so let's go on with Genesis. Is this all right? Let's go on with Genesis chapter 3. I've only got about 14 more pages left. I've been really rushing through tonight. So Genesis chapter 3. It says in Genesis chapter 3, Now the serpent, 3 and verse 1, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And I want you to notice a few things about this passage. 
Okay, so first of all, the serpent was not Satan himself. Right? This was not Satan <clears throat> who was tempting Eve. This was, well, the serpent might have been filled with the devil, but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't, the, he wasn't Satan like tempted Jesus, you know. The serpent was used of Satan to tempt the woman. That's what, Satan, Satan got this serpent. I don't know how he tricked him into it, but Satan tricked the serpent into being used in order to deceive the woman. Now this brings up an interesting thought. How would the woman see this serpent talking to her and not be really freaked out by it? I mean, that would really bother me. You know, I see some rattlesnakes around. You know, we, we like to go up to the, to the gun range and shoot, you know. We do that, you know, uh, my wife and I. And, and, you know, every once in a while where we go, you know, out in eastern Colorado, you know, out in the country, uh, we see, we'll see a rattlesnake around, you know. There's a few. I bet there's a few rattlesnakes around here. I'm not sure about that, but I think there might be, right? <laughs> might be a rattlesnake or two around here. I don't know. But, you know, if a rattlesnake came up to you and started talking, you'd think something was wrong, wouldn't you? You wouldn't, you wouldn't think, you wouldn't think, you wouldn't stand there and carry on a conversation with a rattlesnake. So that means that when Adam had dominion over the creatures the way God intended it, the way God intended it, that Adam had a different relationship with the animals than we have with animals, right? Isn't that right? He had a different relationship. Adam was, Adam was in a different position with the animals than we are because Adam had the dominion that God intended him to have and the animals understood that, right? Yep. So anyway, the serpent, the serpent gets up here and says to Eve, you know, uh, says, you, has God indeed said you shall not, uh, shall not eat of, of, you know, of every tree that's in the garden? And so uh, this, is what, this is how Satan comes to us. This is how Satan tempts us or how Satan tests us, is he comes up and the first thing he'll do is he'll question what it is that we believe God has told us. You know, if we believe that we have gotten a word from God, from the word of God, and we're going hard after that word that God gave us, if we're pursuing that word and going hard after that, after that vision God has given us for the kingdom of God, Satan will come in and he will test us by trying to make us question that word that we got from God. Did, did you really get that word? You know, is that really a word that you got from God? And you know, in our lives, Satan will try to get us to question things that's in the word of God that tells us how to live, tells us how to live righteous, tells us how to live holy, tells us how to, how to not lie and how to not cheat and how to not steal from people, right? Satan will try to, oh, it's okay, don't worry about that, you know? He'll try to test us in those ways. Anybody ever been tested by Satan? I don't know if anybody has. I, I, he works me over on a regular basis. But anyway, they, if you've been tested by Satan, you know what I'm talking about. Well, the next thing that Satan said, or the serpent said, Satan speaking through the serpent, and the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of, or, Eve said, we may eat the fruit of all the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Okay, so that's all right. I mean, I don't, uh, I hear people preach about, you know, well, you know, the woman added to the word of God, maybe, you know, maybe not, I don't know, you know. She knew that God told her, don't eat of the tree. I mean, that's good enough for me, you know. She answered back how she probably ought to answer, you know. God told me not to eat of that thing and I'm not eating of it. And then Satan came again, right? And the next thing Satan said to her was uh, through the serpent, he said to the woman, you will not surely die. So this is the second, this is the second point. 
The second point coming in is, you shall not surely die. Okay, so now it's a direct contradiction of the Word of God. First, it was a question about the Word of God. The second temptation now for Eve is a direct contradiction of the Word of God. You shall not surely die. So now it's, a, now it's an outright lie, right? Right? First, it was just creating doubt. It wasn't a lie. Satan didn't tell a lie the first time. Second time, told an outright lie. You shall not surely die. So then again, in, chat, in verse, um, verse 5, Satan went on and said, For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So what did the woman do? Now she stood up to the devil and she said, No, this isn't going to happen. I am not. No, she didn't do that. She said, she, she took of the fruit and she ate it, and she gave it to her husband, and Adam also ate of the fruit. Now God had told them, don't you eat of that tree. Don't you do it. You know, you can do anything else you want to. You can run around naked all day long and I don't care. Don't you eat of that tree. That's what he told them. <laughs> Said that, you know. Well, he did. So anyway, what, you, you're laughing at me? <laughs> okay, so anyway. That's what he said. You know, he said, you can run around all day long. You know, you can eat anything you want to, but don't you eat of that tree. And, they, and so Eve, no, she took, of the tr she took of the fruit and she ate it, you know. She said, she said that it was pleasant to the eyes, you know, something that was appealing. It was, you know, it was delicious for food and it was something that would make her wise, right? Make her wise. You know, sometimes we can get too wise. We can have too much wisdom for our own good. We can have too much knowledge about things for our own good. Uh, and, you know, that's, um, that, that's an issue. That's an issue when we have too much knowledge for our own good. But I want you to notice in verse 7, it says, Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and they made themselves covering. See, see... It, Satan said, you won't die, you know. God just knows that when you eat of the fruit, you're going to know this, you're going to be able to distinguish good and evil. And you know what? Uh, they were, as soon as they ate the fruit, I mean, it, it had to be just the instant that it entered their mouth, that all of a sudden they knew good and evil and they knew that they were naked and they were ashamed. They were ashamed because not only did they know that they sinned against God by eating their fruit, now they look around and they see, hey, we're now living just that quick, just that instant. They ate the fruit and they're living in a fallen world. And death entered the world. It came, I told you this morning, I said something. I said, you know, God hates death. God hates death because the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. God hates death. Well, <clears throat> the devil reasoned her into it. She took the fruit and ate it. Now their eyes were open after Satan uh, made it sound like it was a really good thing. And they tried to hide their nakedness with fig leaves. But fig leaves weren't going to be what worked. Fig leaves weren't, weren't going to work. Uh, you know... I said that, they, uh, that it's not necessarily a good thing to have too much knowledge. You know, when your children are little, how many have kids in here? How many, how many have had kids? Lots of people have kids, right? When your kids are little, 
you don't want them to know certain things, isn't that right? And the reason you don't want them to know those things is because those things are dangerous to your kids. You do not want them to know about pornography. You don't want them to know about, you know, all kinds of weird, wicked, terrible lifestyles. You don't want them to know about the drug culture. You don't want them to know all of those things, you know, that's in our society today. You want to shield them from those things, isn't that right? You know, when a baby's born, when a baby is first born, you know, you think about a, a newborn baby, you know what? They don't even know they're naked. They don't know those things. They haven't got, you know, because they haven't been imbued with sin like we become as we go later in life, as we become older and older and older, you know, sin starts to have dominion over us, right? Isn't that right? Sin starts to have dominion over us. We start to know the difference between good and evil. And when we know the difference between good and evil, Paul said, Paul said, you know, I see this law at work in my mind. I really want to do God's law, but I see the law of sin and death at work in my members, you know. You know, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. With the mind I serve, you know, the law of God. We don't want our kids to be tainted by those things. And that's why in our world today, we've got to be so careful to, we've, how should I put it? We have to stand up and fight against those things affecting our kids. We have got to shield them from those things. We've got to form a hedge around them and shield them from those things. We've got to have enough courage to do that where we keep those things away from our kids. That's, our, that's the only salvation that we have. That's the only salvation that our nation, nation has is if we can just shield our kids from being so quickly influenced. And that's also what the enemy knows and that's the reason that there is such a concerted attack, this a terrible bombardment uh, you know, of all of these things against our kids coming at them in school, you know, and just all these different places. Every time you turn around, it's something new coming against our kids to try to make them aware of good and evil. You know, I mean, I, my granddaughter, one of my granddaughters, we live in Colorado. It's a lot more, it's a lot more liberal than it is here. Let's put it that way, especially in the town we live in. So, my grand, one of my granddaughters was, uh, was going to, um, was in elementary school. And uh, Terry and I went to one of their Christmas plays or concerts or something or other. You know how, you know, grandpa and grandma got to go to everything, you know. If, if it's happening, grandpa and grandma are going to it, right? So, so we, we went to one of, our daughter's, uh, one of our daughter's things at school. I think it was a concert. And we went in, uh, we went in her um, classroom. And on the classroom, there was a whiteboard, whiteboard upright as you came inside the classroom, and written at the top of the classroom, and this has been, how long ago was that, six or seven, eight years ago? At least eight years ago. Written on this whiteboard, okay, so you think you're just hearing this now. Written on this whiteboard, at the top of the whiteboard, it says, what do you identify as today? Now, you just think about that. Now, it wasn't very long after that that my daughter took them out of school and started homeschooling them because, because there was just too much, you know? It was just too much. But you know, we've, we've got to stand up against that stuff. We've got to save our kids, you know? And, and it's only by saving our kids that we're gonna save our nation because our nation is in trouble. We are in trouble with God. You know, in the Bible, it says, it says in Ezekiel 33, I, I love that, I love that, 
how many loves Ezekiel 33? How many loves that chapter of scripture? Ezekiel 33, it says, when I send the sword on a land, when I send the sword against the land, God says, and they appoint a watchman. We, got, we gotta be watchmen, that's who we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be watchmen. When we're, when we're in Christ, we're supposed to be watchmen, you know, standing against those things, standing against those terrible ideas, standing against that terrible wickedness that's coming against not only our own children, not only our own family, but against all the people, you know, that we know, all of our, all of our people. You know, how do we stand against them? By, by preaching the word, by having our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel, right? That's how we do it. We gotta, we, we gotta be presenting the gospel to the world. It's hard, it's not easy to present the gospel to the world, especially today. It's a difficult thing to do. I told you this morning about Ernie, you know, with his box of tracks under his arm and he'd just fire those tracks into the, into the cars going by him on that main street on post stand right in the middle of the road and just throw tracks in. But well, that, maybe that's not the best approach. But you know what? Ernie understood that people needed to get saved and that that was the only hope that they had for life. Ernie understood that. It says in 2 Corinthians 2.11 2, that we're not unaware of the, devil's, uh, of the devil's devices, of Satan's devices, or of, say, of the devil's schemes. And you know, as Christian parents, and not just as parents, you know, but as Christian grandparents, and as and just as Christians in the community, we've got to be aware of what those de devices are. And you know what? The, the Word of God is what tells us what, what the devil's devices are. You know, because, uh, because if you study the true Word of God, if you, if you see the truth in God's Word, then you're going to know what's false as soon as it comes up. As soon as you hear it, you know, if you got confidence, if, if the word of God has built faith in you, I said this morning, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you got that faith that's been built by hearing the word of God, if you're rightly dividing the truth, as it says in 2 Timothy 2.15, I believe, if you're rightly dividing the word of truth, then, then when you hear that stuff come up, when it rises up, you hear it, it's, it's gonna strike you as being something that's wrong something that you need to be standing against. Okay, now, now before you go too far and go out just, uh, just grabbing people and throwing them down and saying, you know, and, and getting too, too carried away with all that and get yourself in trouble because you know you get yourself in trouble doing some of that stuff, right? Being too aggressive. But because the, the Bible also says, the, the Bible also says, um, you know, to be as wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And it also says that the wise man sees danger coming and hides himself, but the foolish man goes on and suffers for it, right? He just rides right along on in and just suffers on account of the danger that's coming. But we have danger coming against us. And I mean, everybody has danger coming against us now. And the danger is that Satan is taking, you know, is, Satan is just, by leaps and bounds, expanding his kingdom, and not just in our nation, around the world. When the Jesus movement happened, 
it happened around the world. I was in Germany and the Jesus movement was happening there all over the place. I mean, Dwayne can tell you he can tell you stories, you know, about the Holy Ghost falling just in the craziest situations. You know, just in the craziest situations. I remember even in Boulder when I was when I was just getting ready to drop out of high school, I remember that the entire park downtown was filled with Jesus people with green marker buses and stuff, you know, green Volkswagen buses. Everybody you know, doing Jesus stuff, you know. It happened with Ethiopians. When I was in Germany in the church I got saved in, we had at least, at least 15, 20 Ethiopians, and I would drive them around in this big Taunus van, you know, taking them to rallies and stuff, and they would be driving around in the van, beating on the side of the van. Oh, Lord, that delivered Daniel. Oh, Lord, that delivered Daniel. Oh, Lord, that delivered Daniel. Come on and deliver me. Right? It was, it was worldwide. Everybody in the world was feeling the touch of God and the body of Christ was being put together and united around this idea that the Spirit of God was mighty and that the Spirit of God was powerful and that God was holy and that the Word of God was true and we could trust Him for salvation. All right, that's just my two cents. Well, in verse... Verse 8, chapter 3 in Genesis, verse 8. It says, I heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Right? Hid themselves. Wait a minute. Okay, so what do we do? What do we, what's our first reaction when we sin and we know we sin? Our first reaction is to try to cover up for it, isn't it? That's our first thought, isn't it? No, you, come on. Isn't it the truth? Isn't your first thought to try to cover up for what you've done? It's a first, that's our first reaction as a human being is to try to cover up for, for the sin, that, for what we did wrong. And you can call it sin or you can call it you broke the law or you, you were speeding. First reaction, get on the brake before you get up to the state patrol, right? That's it, you know, our first reaction is try to cover it up. Make it look like we didn't do what we did, you know? I mean, that may work or it may not, I don't know, you know? But our second reaction is then, if we sinned, our second reaction is to hide from God's presence like Adam and Eve did. We want to hide from God's presence if we sin. We don't want the Word of God to expose. We don't want the Word of God to shine its light on our heart. You know, uh, David said, thy word's a lamp unto my feet, you know, a light to my path. We don't want the word of God to light up our path, and we don't want the word of God to shine on our heart and show what we're really made out of. That's our second reaction, you know. So first we want to cover it up, and the second thing we want to do is hide from God, you know. Keep from talking to him, you know, keep away from his presence. We don't want to be in the presence of God because we're so, we feel so guilty. You know, if we're born again... If we're born again, sin makes us feel awful. It makes us feel terrible. It smites our conscience. We can't live with ourselves. We know what we did. It grieves us because we know that we grieved God. It says, you know, that if we, can, you know, if we willingly continue to sin, that we crucify the Son afresh, you know, all over again. It grieves us, you know, as Christians. It grieves us as his bride when we know that we've sinned and that we're, and that we're hurting God. So we don't want to be around him. 
because we're afraid that his spirit's going to come in and convict us even more, you know, or we're afraid of the spanking we're going to get, one of the two, you know, because I know when I do it, I'm going to get a whipping. You know, there's, there is no question about it. I'm getting a paddle. And I was a principal of that Christian school down in New Orleans. You know what? We gave a good, we gave a good solid paddle when kids, when kids acted up in school, you know. And, and so uh, some people said, oh, you can't do that, you know. So I said, okay, I'll tell you what we're going to do. The parents, whenever they act up, if the parents want to keep them in this school, the parents are going to come in and paddle that kid in my office or else I'll just write them a check for their whole year's tuition and they can go on home, you know. They can go to, back to a public school if they want to, you know. But the public schools were, even at that time, were terribly dangerous in New Orleans. And that was uh, in the early 90s, you know, even terribly, terribly dangerous. Uh, in fact, our second year there, uh, in the first, the first day of school, uh, a middle schooler, I think a sixth grader, was knifed to death on the playground by another sixth grader, you know. And that was in the 90s. You know, it was terribly dangerous school. So people, parents would come and just beg me to put their kids in the school. You know, Dwayne was talking about, we had a large Christian school. You know, it was a, it was a good effort. And, and so anyway, that's, but that's what I decided. I decided, you know what, if we're going to have issues about this paddling business, parents, you got to, when you sign your kid up at the beginning of the year, you sign and say that you will come in and paddle the kid, if he, you know, if he does something wrong. And it worked pretty good. You know, they were, most people were pretty okay with that until it came time to come in and paddle them. <laughs> then it got a little, then it got a little touch and go sometimes, you know, but for the most part, it, for the most part, it worked out. I don't know if that was a good idea or not, but, but that's what I did. Okay. What did Adam say? What did God say to Adam when, when Adam was hiding among the trees? He said, where are you, Adam? Ch verse nine, chapter three, where are you, Adam? Now, God knew where Adam was. <laughs> You think God didn't know? God knew where Adam was. God just wanted to know what Adam was going to do, right? God, God, you know, where are you, Adam? Uh, you know, y'all have kids, right? Okay, you know, when you say, who broke that vase? <laughs> you know, <laughs> where'd, you put that, where'd you put that brave vase you broke, you know? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Okay, so... First reaction, covered up. Second reaction, hide from God. God. God knows where we are. You know, when we sin, God knows where we are. He knows exactly where we're at. We can't get away from Him. We can't hide from Him. Our heart can't hide from the Holy Spirit because it says that the Spirit searches all things. You know, the Spirit's what knows is, is who knows what's in a man. The Holy Spirit of God knows what's inside of us. You know, there's no hiding our heart from the Holy Spirit, you know. And that's the thing is God talks a lot about in his word. He talks a lot about that, that um, you know, about people who have, you know, that their thoughts are evil continually and stuff. You know, it says that about the days of Noah, the men, that men's hearts hearts and thoughts were evil continually. How did God know that? Because the Spirit of God searches those things out inside of us. We can't hide what's inside of us from God. You might think you're hiding it, but you're not hiding it. God knows what's in there. You know, God knows what's in me. You know, I know that a lot of times, uh, hey, I can tell you when I sin in my heart, God knows it. You know, it doesn't take, 
and these days it doesn't take that long for me to know he knows it just to tell you the truth you know it's it's a fast thing now you know that i know oh boy what did i do i'm waiting for my whipping you know <laughs> i'm waiting for something to come you know it's either going to be that the holy spirit tells me you did wrong you get on your knees you know or whatever you know whatever the case may be um, but i know that i'm going to be grieved inside because i've because i've offended the spirit of god you know and it says we're not supposed to offend the spirit of god okay let me move on. Let me just move along here. So Adam answers back. He answers back to God. Uh, verse, uh, verse 10 in chapter 3. He said, Adam said, I heard your voice in the garden and I hid because I was afraid. And that just describes us perfectly when we sin, doesn't it? We're afraid. We're afraid of the presence of God when we sin. We don't have a reason to be afraid. We should not be afraid. Because that, that forgiveness has been provided for us on the cross. So we should not be afraid. Our reaction should instead be to go to God and seek his forgiveness. That ought to be our, our reaction, you know. Uh, but we're afraid because, you know, this, it, we're talking about the mighty God. And you know what? Even though we don't think of him in terms of being the king of kings and the Lord of lords all the time, you know, when we're sinning, we're not thinking about God being the king of kings and, and Lord of lords. But you know what? We should be. We should be. And especially after we've sinned, we should be thinking about him being mighty, him being holy, and him being the king, and that we need to be coming to him and asking his forgiveness for that so that we can be restored because we're not supposed to be unaware of the devil's devices. We don't want Satan's devices to get us. You know, there was a man who sinned in, in Corinthians, and that's what first, part of First and Second Corinthians are about. And Paul said, put him out of the church. Turn him over to Satan so that he'll be taught not to sin. Then in Second Corinthians, Paul came back and said, okay, that's enough. Restore him and show him you love him, you know. Bring him back in, and that's what the love of God does. That's what the, that's what the, uh, that's what the Spirit of God does with us. You know, after we've sinned, he brings us back in, and he, he begins to restore us, and he begins to build us back up in him, you know. Because God's a restoring God. He's not a condemning God. Jesus says, Jesus said, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through me might be saved, right? He said, you know, that's what Jesus said. So uh, that's, that's, what, you know, that's what we should be relying on God to do. Now, there's going to come a day when we have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, it says in the Bible. You know, We're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and we're going to account for the deeds that we've done in our body, and we're going to account for the things that we've thought. We're going to account for the things that we've said. The scripture says by our words we'll be, we'll be, uh, we'll be condemned. You know, by our words we'll be, we'll be uh, saved and by our words we'll be condemned. You know, it, it talks about that, you know. So there is coming a time. But right now, while we're living in this period, while Jesus is in, you know, while Jesus is, is in heaven interceding on our behalf, it says, as it says in Hebrews, you know, while we have a great high priest, you know, who cannot be touched with, you know, we, we have not a great high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. While we have that high priest interceding on our behalf, we need to get in there before the throne of grace to get some grace before the grace is gone. And before we don't have time, time to get that grace anymore. Okay, let's go right on here. So what did God ask Adam then? First thing he said was, who told you you were naked? Adam said, 
She did it. Isn't that what he said? You know, uh, getting that one of our reactions too, blame somebody else. You get caught in the, you get caught doing something, they, they did it, you know. I didn't do it, they did it. God said, did you eat from the tree I told you not to eat of? Adam, this is really your fault, God. You gave me this woman and she's the one that, she's the one that made all this happen, you know. That's what he said. That's what happened. Okay. God asked the woman, turned immediately. God knew what happened. He knew the whole story. He, they didn't have to tell him anything, you know. And that's like us when we come to God in repentance. He already knows that we committed the sin. We don't have to tell him, you know. He doesn't need us to tell him that we committed the sin. He already knows this has happened. What he's expecting us to do is to show him, to show him that, we're, that, we're, uh, that we have a broken spirit and a contrite heart. Uh, because God will not despise a broken spirit and a contrite heart. In Psalm 52 it says that. So uh, when we come before God, we're showing him that we have a broken spirit and a contrite heart, that we're contrite for, for this action that we've done or for this thought that we've had or for this, you know, whatever it happens to be. Uh, we're just showing God that we're broken and contrite. And that's what God's really after. So he turns to the woman. He knows what happened. Uh, what is this that you have done? He said, uh, he did it. Right? The serpent deceived me and I did eat. That's the next, you know, they're just passing it right on down the line. It's going right back to the serpent. Okay, so remember I told you at the beginning of this that Satan used the serpent for his purposes. Well, you know what? The serpent got now, since he was used, since he allowed himself somehow, I don't know how all that worked, you know, I don't understand, you know, how that serpent was talking or anything else. All I know is that he is now going to reap the benefits or reap the rewards of being used by Satan. And you know what? We can allow ourselves to be used by Satan, you know, to hurt people, you know, to do things and you know, to people or in people's lives, we can allow ourselves to be used by Satan. And you know what? When we allow ourselves to be used by Satan, we are going to reap the rewards for that. We will reap the rewards. It says in Proverbs, if a man roll a stone, it's going to roll back on him. If a man dig a pit, he's going to fall into it, you know? And that's what the Bible is talking about. Whatever you sow, you'll also reap, you know? With the same measure you use, it's going to be measured to you. That's exactly what that's talking about. We're going to reap the rewards if we allow Satan to use us in any way whatsoever. So we have to be aware of his devices and we have to keep him from being able to use us. And sometimes that means you're shutting our mouth. That's right. Sometimes it just means just close, close up our mouth. Jesus said it's, it's impossible, but that offense should come. But woe to him through whom the offense comes. So be careful about causing people trouble or offense or any of those kinds of things. You know, when Judas betrayed Jesus, the Bible says that Satan entered into Judas, you know, when it was night. Satan entered into Judas and he went out and it was night. And Judas went and, uh, and, and, then afterwards, though, you know, it says that Judas fell headlong and is, you know, and he burst asunder, you know, he burst in half. And, and Judas reaped the reward of his iniquity. You know, Judas reaped being, being used, allowing himself to be used of Satan because Judas was serving, was serving mammon rather than serving God, even though he was with God in the flesh. He was still serving mammon.
Okay, so God turned to the serpent and he said, okay, serpent, here's what you did. Now, now what I'm going to have you do, from now on, you're going to eat dust and you're going to go on your belly. So the serpent reaped his reward. And so, you ever seen a snake out walking around? No, i never seen one walking around. Not, not any of them. You know, and even if you, could call a, <clears throat> even if you could call one of those Komodo dragons, I saw some of those over in Australia one time, you know, in Sydney, at the Sydney Zoo. Saw some of those Komodo dragons. I thought, man, those are the strangest looking creatures I ever saw. They got that big old nose on them and stuff, you know. Some, boy, boy, they smell worse than hogs. And I used to raise hogs when I was a kid. I went to the farm in Kansas, and I took care of, you know, around 250 hogs. And, and they know how to stink. <laughs> You're taking care of hogs. Hogs know how to stink. I love hogs. I love to see them. I love to watch them. Boy, do they stink. You know, you can, you can smell a hog for miles if you if y'all, if y'all had some hogs before. A few, had a few hogs. Okay. So let's go on here. So then he told the woman, first he gets the snake. Then he tells the woman, Genesis 3.16. He says, okay, so here's what's going to happen to you. You're going to have increased pain when you bear children. Uh, you know, that's part of the curse that we brought on ourselves. You know, through Adam, through our ancestor Adam, through great, 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 I don't know how many greats back there, Grandpa Adam, we brought that on ourselves. All of us brought it on ourselves because all of us had him for our great, great, however many greats it is, all the way back there, Grandpa. We brought that on ourselves that, that the woman's going to have pain when she brings forth children in childbearing. She's going to bear in pain. It says your desire will be for your husband. I don't know what that means exactly. There's all kinds of ideas about it. I don't know what it means. All I can say is my best guess is that it means that, that, uh, that as a general rule for humanity that women, you know, gain their self-esteem or whatever from their husband. You know, that's, that's where the center of their life is, in other words. And it says that he will rule over you. That's what it says. You know, I, I mean, I can't. I can't change what the Word of God says. It just says it. That's what it says. That's what it says is going to happen. That's what it says the woman, the lot that's fallen to the woman because, uh, because she ate of that tree, you know. I mean, this is what fell to her. This is her curse. The next thing was he turned to the man. He said, <clears throat> uh, in Genesis 3.17, cursed is the ground uh, because of you, you know, and, and so man brought this curse on the whole earth. When Adam sinned, Adam brought this terrible curse on the whole, whole earth. How many of you grow stuff? How many are farmers? Anybody a farmer here? Anybody grow anything? I try to grow a garden. Man, I have a disaster, I'll just tell you. I can grow some squash and some cucumbers, and that's about as far as I can get. <laughs> but, but anybody grow anything? But, you know, the ground is cursed on our behalf, and, you know, it's hard to grow things. You know, we're... And, and that was part of the curse, that we would eat our bread by the toil that we put into it. You know, before Adam was in the garden, he'd run around, ha, 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 there's a little apple bud that needs to be pruned back, so bigger apple will grow there, you know, whatever. Now he's got to toil out there, dig away, you know, dig in the ground, you know, get out the thorns, get out the thistles, you know, because now the ground, you know, the Bible says that the creation itself is cursed and that it's groaning in expectation. 
for the sons of God to be revealed. Y'all seen that? Y'all noticed that before? The creation itself is cursed. And toil and hard labor, you eat from it all the days of your life. And then this is really interesting here. Verse 18 uh, or 19, till you return to the ground, for out of it you are taken, for dust you are, and to dust you, will, you shall return. So there was the death. So, yeah, the devil was uh, partly right. Man did know. I mean, he, part, he told a half-truth. He said, you know, you'll know good and evil. He, they did. They knew good and evil. They come to the point that they knew good and evil. Uh, they didn't die immediately. They didn't die instantly. In fact, Adam lived 930 years or something or other after that and had sons and daughters. You know, they didn't die immediately. But you know what? Death entered the world at that time. Death came on the earth. And, and, you know, and we inherited the curse. And, you know, Jesus said the devil was a murderer from the beginning. And you know what? When the devil went and he tempted Eve uh, through the serpent, the devil was setting up the murder of mankind. He was setting up the murder of God's people is what he was doing. And it took a redeemer to come and die on the cross and pay a terrible, terrible, terrible price to redeem us from the curse that we were under because the devil tricked us and, and came as a murderer and killed us. I mean, you know, a sinner that's walking around who hasn't experienced salvation in Jesus Christ, they're already dead. They don't know it yet. They don't look dead, but they're dead. They're dead because of, the, because of what we inherited because of the curse that came on of us. So like I said, God hates death. God hates death. But God also loves life. And because God hates death and God loves life, God hates sin. Because sin, the wages of sin is death. So when we look at the word of God, we should welcome the conviction that God's word brings in our lives. We should welcome, when we, look into the, when we look into the pages of the Word of God, if we see something that we don't like, and how many, oh boy, I see stuff in there that I do not want to read all the time because I know, because I know who I am, you know, at least partially. I know, I know something about who I am, and I see stuff in there I don't want to read all the time. But you know, in 2 Corinthians 7.10, it says, For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. Worldly sorrow tells us to hide. It tells us to cover up sin. Godly sorrow tells us to come before the throne of grace so that we can obtain grace to help in our time of need. And the last scripture that I'm going to read, hey, that was pretty fast, wasn't it? I'm, I'm all the way to the end here. See, I skipped a bunch of pages, though. If I would have gone through the whole thing, I'd only be on the third page of the introduction now. So, 
All right, Proverbs 28, 13. How many reads Proverbs? I love to read Proverbs of a morning. You know, in the morning, I like to get up first thing in the morning and read through whatever day chapter it is, you know. Uh, it's not very, you know, it's not all that spiritual or anything, but I just want to get some wisdom for the day. You know, I have to go out and do business. You know, I have a business, I told you. I have to go out and do some business. I like to read Proverbs in the morning to just try to get just a dab of God's wisdom that'll maybe answer a situation that I have to face that day, right? I like that. So I like to read Proverbs. Proverbs 28, thing, 28, 13 says, He who covers his sin will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. That's what it says in Proverbs. He who confesses them and forsakes them will have mercy. Let's all stand. Dwayne, would you like to come dismiss? You want me to have prayer? What would you like to do? All right, well, let's just, if anybody would like prayer, come on up, you know, come out and, and I'll be happy to pray with you, pray for you. Uh, and so, anyway. All right. Anybody? All right. Well, then let's, uh, let's, I guess, wrap it up then. All right. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful, O oh God, for your word. We're thankful, Lord, for your spirit, and we're thankful for your blood. We ask in Jesus' name that you would show us your mighty power every day in our lives. We ask, O oh God, that we could walk in your presence, that we could walk in, in your forgiveness, walk in your, uh, in your freedom, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name, help us to reach our world with the gospel. We pray, Lord God, for this church specifically, Lord, that you would make this church one in you, O oh God, in Jesus' name, that you would give them a heart, Lord, to find the right person to be their pastor, Lord, in Jesus' name. We ask, oh God, you'd send the right heart here for them, Lord, who will have a heart for them and will love them, Lord, and, and care for them, Lord, and, uh, and, uh, and lead them and guide them, Lord, help them along in your way. I pray in Jesus' name, and we ask, oh God, tonight that you'd give us safety on our way home. In Jesus' name, we ask, Lord, that you would, uh, that you would bless us throughout this next week, oh God. Help us to walk in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Yes, God bless you. Oh, thank you.